Turn your Bibles to the Torah, to Genesis chapter 12, a well-known passage. First book of the Bible, Genesis, the 12th chapter. Journey to the unknown. Have you ever had to move? Just pull your family up by the roots and put all your belongings in boxes and close the front door of your beloved home for the last time, the home in which your children grew up from tots to teens. Perhaps there are teeth marks there on the little chair rail where they were teething, or maybe a resting place for a dog buried in the backyard. To move is to leave it all behind. You arrive to, to a new city not knowing anything or anyone. You start filling out the forms. In case of an emergency, contact blank. You don't have anybody's name to put in that blank because you don't know anyone in the new town. The percentage of Americans moving each year has dropped from a high of 20% in the 50s and 60s down to 14% in the early 2000s, and now in 2021, all the way down to 8.4%. We live in our homes longer than we ever used to. I think that's a good thing. We went from an average of just five years living in a house when you purchase it in the 1950s and 60s down now to we're there about up to about 8.6 years. In fact, according to the Pew Research Center, a majority of Americans have never lived outside of their current state of residence. A majority of Americans have never lived outside of their current state of residence. And in fact, 40% still live in the city of their birth, their, what they would call their hometown. And people stay around because of family ties, because their hometowns are good places in which to raise their children. People hang around the hometown, say they have at least a half dozen family members within an hour drive of their city, their city of their birth. Well, God didn't give Abraham the luxury of hanging around his hometown, the town of his father and the town of his family. God calls this moon-worshiping Mesopotamian to move on to the new promised land. The first thing I want you to see about Abraham's call, we are not to find our identity in our family. We're not to find our identity in our family. When we put our marriage first ahead of God, we ask our spouse to be our, to be our God. When we put our family first, our children first, we're asking our children to be our idols. We always give the order of God first and family second. Sometimes we get those in the reverse order, don't we? We must build strong families, but we cannot make an idol of our marriage or of our children. Abraham's family was from the Ur, a large city, a major center for the worship of the moon god Zen. Abraham's father, Terah, was not faithful to Yahweh. In fact, you can look that up in Joshua 24 too. He didn't know Yahweh. There was no family history between Yahweh and Abraham's father. Terah's family had settled in Haran. 
The Lord comes to Abraham in a straightforward, a direct command, a demand. He doesn't sugarcoat it or soft pedal the things that Abraham is asked to give up. In fact, in fact, he lists them item by item. Notice how they begin there in verse one. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. Now, I want you to notice how he goes. He moves from the general to the specific. I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave your relatives. I want you to leave your father's house. Everything that gave Abram his personal identity is at risk. Abraham is to leave it all behind and follow the command of God on an uncertain journey. Now, even more so in antiquity, in a tight family unit, a clan-oriented culture, having people, a clan with whom to identify, a family with whom to identify meant absolutely everything. Leaving family behind meant living security behind. Leaving your morality behind, your morality code, your safety, your identity. It was to put yourself at total physical and psychological risk to step out from your people and start a new people, a new people called by God. In fact, in 12.1, the literal translation is, go you, go you. Now, the only other time in Scripture we have this same command, go you, that wooden command to Abraham, happens in Genesis 22.2. When God sends Abraham on the trip to sacrifice his son Isaac and God commands Abraham the second time, go you, a second time, and the call to sacrifice Isaac, which of course doesn't take place, Abraham is asked not to find his identity and his family, not even his son, not even his heir to the promise of God. Instead of finding identity in his family, God offers Abraham a new nucleus. Abraham is now identified by his covenant relationship with Yahweh, his covenant relationship with God. Now, you can be sure that somebody in in Abram's family didn't like this. His pulling up the roots, his packing up his bags, his heading for the Holy Land. Preacher Fred Craddock says, God never calls anyone into ministry loud enough for the whole family to hear. Now you think about that. God never calls anyone in ministry loud enough for the whole family to hear. Someone always, usually objects. Notice that God says to Abraham, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth are to be blessed. And congregation, this is where we miss the theology of election. Israel was never elected elected to exclude anyone. Election is election to include. I've elected you to bless all the nations, all the nations listed in Genesis. Election is inclusion, not exclusion in the Old Testament. Now, in Genesis chapter 11, we have humankind trying to make a name for themselves. But look at 12.2. 
Abraham's not trying to make a name for himself, and rather God says, I will make your name great. And in you, not just Israel, but all the nations will bow down and worship the true God. There's a second thing I want you to see. Faith is always a journey into the unknown. Faith is always a journey into the unknown. The good news is, you don't have to know where you're going in order to get there. Now, that's good news to a lot of you, isn't it? The good news is, you don't have to know where you're going in order to get there. That's what he says in verse 1. God tells him, you're going to go to the land that I will show you. He doesn't tell him where. God does not even tell Abram where he's going. The author of Hebrews whomever he or she might be, puts it this way in Hebrews eleven eight. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for inheritance. He went out, he went out, says the author of Hebrews, not knowing where he was going. Faith is always a journey into the unknown. Here's Abram with a barren wife going out to make a great nation without a clear destination, without an heir. Abraham, just follow my voice and I will show you where you're to go. An African impala is a little bitty animal, but an African impala can jump a height over 10 feet and cover a distance of 30 feet. And yet every zoo knows all they have to have is a three foot solid wall to keep an impala restrained because they will not jump that 10 feet high or that 30 feet out unless they can see where their feet are going to fall. The impala is willing to jump high and wide, but he must know where he's going to land. Well, Abram didn't know where he's going to land, and yet God still asked Abraham to jump, even though he can't see yet the land of where he's going to go. God calls Abraham. God calls us to take our family and go to the unknown, to get out of our comfort zone. Perhaps God has called you to the unknown. It's not always a geographical call. Whatever God's calling to you might likely be right here in Amarillo. We really do like our comfort zone, don't we? You know, a steady income, a thermostat somewhere. Don't get us out of 68 to 72. Right in there, we start whining. We won't eat at the same restaurants with the same waiter or waitress. We order the same thing every time. We want a religion that's helpful, but not too radical or bothersome, really. You know, just enough so we can be considered in the camp of Christ. We don't really want any risk or want to alter our life to follow a radical call from God like Abraham. There is some odd way in which those of us born into the faith are disadvantaged. Of course, I wouldn't have it any other way. But those of us who are born into our Christian families become so comfortable with the love of God, we think that forgiveness is our birthright and the love of God is a natural outcome of being a member of our good family. Some of us have never walked on the other side of life. We don't realize the emptiness that comes from being spiritually starved. We have a banquet set before us every single Sunday and we have small appetites sometimes, mostly please just spiritual desserts. 
But somewhere down the line, someone in our family has been that Abraham and has answered that radical call to follow God, to begin a covenant relationship with him. I have a pastor friend who we were talking about this even last week. He had a, a member in his church say, you know, my son doesn't take his children to church anymore. They, they just quit going. And he says, you know, that means my grandchildren aren't in church like I had my children in church. And well, it, it seems like something's broken. There, there's something I've passed the baton and the baton has been dropped. And it's kind of awkward to bring it up to him. And I don't know what to say. My pastor friend said, I wouldn't say it but once, but I can tell you what I would say to him. I would say to him, Abraham started it, and then he passed it on to Isaac, and Isaac passed it on to Jacob, and Jacob passed it on to Joseph, until someone passed it on to me, and now I've passed it on to you, and you're the one who's going to drop the ball, drop the baton. It was good enough for Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, and the lineage of our family, and now you are breaking the covenant with God and God's people on Sunday. See, I might not say it but once, but I can promise you, I would say, you are losing our legacy and our lineage. Somehow... We think we've inherited our religion. By the time it's passed down to us, it's lost its original zest and freshness. It's kind of like mashed potatoes put in the cupboard and sitting at room temperature overnight. They're just not the same the next day. For some of us, there's a pathetic familiarity with the gospel. We don't really know what it feels like to be without a savior. We can never imagine living without the hope that comes from the casting of the long shadow of the cross and the declaration every Sunday of the empty tomb of our Savior. We've in some ways avoided that radical choice to surrender our lives to Christ because it has become just a natural and expected thing to do. We eased into our faith like someone goes into a swimming pool rung by rung down the ladder without really taking the plunge. You ever met someone who's the Abraham of their lineage and their heritage, how excited they are? They didn't grow up in a Christian home. The excitement on their faith, life for them is now radically different. They know what it feels like to think about death as the end of existence. They know the loneliness of never being able to bask in the forgiveness of God through the crucifixion of the Christ. They know the pitiful results that come upon a family when Christ is rejected and the church is ignored. When there is no family of faith to surround them. And they don't ever want to go back to that. No, no, they run as fast as they can away from any hint of life without a Savior. They have made a radical choice. Begin a covenant with God. They've made Jesus their Savior. They realize that Jesus actually died for them and, and that he was in the tomb and that he was a dead man and that he rose again from the grave. They never considered themselves pretty good. They thought of themselves as an awful sinner who has now found salvation. And they want to serve in everything in the church. They don't want to be left out. They don't want to miss anything that we're doing. They want to be a part of everything and anything that's good to spread the gospel of Christ. They have let go and let God. They have been called to a journey 
to the unknown. Some of us are so accustomed to the gospel, we have forgotten that it is a radical, risky call, message, and commitment. Sometimes you're like the man whose house is located right beside the airport and he sleeps all night long like a baby, sleeps like a rock. He never even hears the sonic boom of the jets and guests come to stay with him. They say, man, how do you sleep here by the airport? He doesn't even hear the sonic boom anymore. We're like the lady who lives next to the the French bakery, that beautiful aroma that's around her house all day long. And the guests come and say, man, it's just heaven to work out in your yard to, to smell that aroma. She says, what aroma? Because she doesn't smell it anymore. That's kind of an odd story to tell in Amarillo, Texas, isn't it? We have a different aroma sometimes. It's, <laughs> it, it's not exactly a French bakery, but it's something like that, right? <laughs> We're kind of like the guy who runs the jackhammer and he runs it so that his, his arms, his hands are numb and he doesn't feel it anymore. And the first person to ever hold a jackhammer goes, oh my goodness, it's like holding an electric bull. How do you do it? You get accustomed and worn down. But Abram was a courageous follower of God. God was new to Abram the moon-worshiping Mesopotamian. God asked him to follow in faith. And God asked him on numerous occasions, I want you to leave the wealth of your family. Abram was from a well-to-do family. I want you to move from the known to the unknown. I want you to find a reward you cannot yet see, a great nation, a blessing. Abraham's decision to follow Yahweh was a radical decision. Abraham, I want you to get up and go and move out, and I'll tell you about where it's going to happen later. Have you ever noticed that God's call on our life is always open-ended? God's call on our life is not like a contract with limitations of I'll do this much, but not that much. Every contract I read and sign and alter, I'm always trying to put limitations on, on our responsibility as a church. But you notice God's call is always an open-ended contract. Not only with Abraham and the Old Testament, think about the disciples, the fishermen in Mark 1:16. Jesus going along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew the brother of Andrew, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left the nets and followed him. It's an open-ended call. He didn't say, now you need to know before you sign up, in about three years I'll be crucified in Jerusalem and you'll be scattering and act like you don't even know me. He didn't tell them that. Little did they know, they were following the one who would be crucified. Like Abraham and like Peter, the only way, like Andrew, the only way, like Sarah, the only way to follow God is to leave everything behind, to leave Haran, leave the fishing boat and the family. God's call is always open-ended. In fact, so much so that the early Christians, you remember what they were called in the book of Acts? They were called followers of the way. They were on the way of God. They were answering the call to God. They were the followers of 
the way. There's a third thing. A call from God is always a commission from God. A call from God is always a commission from God. What is good for the well-being of Abraham and his future nation Israel is also good for all the nations. All the nations listed in Genesis 10, again, the election of Israel is not for exclusion of other people, rather the inclusion of all people to the blessing of God. It says it right here. If you don't think I'm telling you the truth, it's repeated in Genesis 18, Genesis 22, Genesis 26, and Genesis 28. In you, Abraham, and in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And we know to what he's referring to, eventually the Christ comes out of Israel. And in Christ, all nations hear the gospel. The last words of Jesus, go ye therefore unto all nations. In Acts 3.25, Peter uses this passage about all the nations being blessed in Israel. And then he says, in that seed of Abraham, and then he makes a reference to Christ and to the resurrected Christ. Abraham, I'm calling you to be a blessing to all people everywhere. You can be sure that God didn't call Abraham just to be a recipient of a blessing. He called him to be a bestower of a blessing. Here's the last thing. Even the father of faith can falter. Even the father of faith can falter. Now, I'm just going to tell you how the rest of this chapter goes so we won't have time to read it, but a, a famine comes to the land. Now, there's an oft-repeated scenario, saga in the book of Genesis, and when a famine comes to the land in Genesis, where do you go? You go to Egypt. Why do you go to Egypt when there's a famine in the land? Because they have the Nile, and it is the bread basket of the ancient world, and so Abraham says to Sarah, we've got to go to Egypt. And he says, but now you are a beautiful, beautiful woman. Now, ladies, you need to know she's at least 65 years of age. You are a beautiful, beautiful woman. When Egyptians see you, one of them's going to want to take you as his wife, and he's going to kill me. So why don't you just say that you're my sister? Now, that's a half-truth, Genesis 20, 12. They share the same father, but not the same mother. But when the Egyptians see you, they're going to kill me so they can take you as their wife. And just like Abram, he predicted, Pharaoh himself saw Sarah and wanted to add Sarah to his harem of wives. Instead of being killed, Abraham gets sheep and oxen and donkeys and camels and servants. Remember what God said, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. The Lord struck Pharaoh's household with great plagues because he had taken Sarah to be one of his wives, to be part of the royal harem. God, perfect, God protects God's divine plan in Abraham and Sarah. And even when Abraham is without faith in going to, to Egypt and just saying, this is my wife, Sarah, Pharaoh is more faithful than Abraham is. Pharaoh says, man, take your wife back. Look what God has done to me. Why did you say she was my sister? Why didn't you tell me the truth? Now go, take your wife and go. Yes, he started on a journey of faith only to falter at the very first. The same courage that Abraham showed in leaving his father's family the courage that he should have shown in going to Egypt. Instead of thinking about saving his own neck, he should have thought about the integrity of his wife and the purity of the divine blessing to make a great nation from Sarah, his wife. Yes, even giants of faith can falter on the journey. What about you today? 
Have you answered God's radical call? Will you leave it all behind and follow him? It doesn't mean you have to change geography. Will you follow the radical call of God wherever that might lead you? And what about your commission? Have you understood God's call upon your life to come and follow him like the disciples on the Sea of Galilee, a commission to win others to the kingdom of God? And if you have faltered, Early on, even at the first of your faith journey, will you still get up and go to the land that he will, he will in the future show you? Let's pray. Oh God, you place a call on all of our lives. There's a way in which there's only one Abraham and there's another way in which we're all Abraham. We all are called to radical obedience. We're all called to an open-ended journey. Not to say what are the clauses in the contract, but rather just say, God, I'll sign it and I'll trust you. And whatever you call me to do, that's what I'd be willing to do. Well, God, maybe there's some here in this sanctuary or some watching by live stream or, or some watching by television. This is her day or his day to say Jesus is Lord, to be the Abraham or the Sarah of their family. And step forth in faith. Amen.